Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Okay, well, should we just get going? Let's get going. Why are we nervous? Why are you nervous? It's just chatting with us. It's like FaceTiming. <laughs> I don't know. Hello, Nova. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Welcome to the Lucy and Annabelle show, episode 21. Which is how old we all are. Which is how old we all are. So you are our first ever guest on the show, and we are really excited that you're here. I'm like so thrilled, and I'm also really sad because I'm ruining the next episode for myself. Oh, shut up. No, you're not. No, we're so glad you're here. And we are so grateful for how supportive you've been of the show. Yeah. We just really can't thank you enough for sharing. I just love it. And I, I've tried to get into like just talk podcasts before and I just haven't been able to. But yeah, I anticipate the release of every episode. I'm just like, oh, that new episode comes out tomorrow or whatever. And I just, I don't know why. I just love Yay. it. You guys like say what you Yay. think and I like listening into it and then I feel like it's no holds barred with you two and it's just so nice to feel like I'm really getting to know some people because I'm yes, a loser. I love that you feel that way. <laughs> yeah. No you're not. Stop. Good job you're not on this pod every week because you get a complete ear bashing from me talking about yourself like that. No. I'm just um, I'm just very reclusive so I don't talk to a lot of people. And you're like that naturally aren't you? I know that COVID-19's made it more intense for you but you're naturally pretty you're a lone wolf, aren't you? Yeah. Well, COVID-19 has been like this like magical thing for me because I have a reason to not show up to anywhere that I'm invited or like meet right. people in person yeah. or do anything. I'm just very like on a path. I have a lot of work to do and just, you know, I might touch base with my friends like once a month, you know, I'm not very social naturally. I feel that. I think for a lot of people, COVID's kind of let them off the hook. And I know for me and Ryan last year we were like wow this is great we don't have to go anywhere or do anything we were working so hard we were building you know our company and moving in this direction it was like because we were able to be laser focused Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about is anyone missing us at the event or should we be at this thing or even like comparing ourselves to other people I think in the industry it's so easy to be looking over your shoulder or looking at that next person and we couldn't really do that during COVID-19 mm-hmm. you know and I think for people like yourself and people like me and Ryan it's like okay great we can fully go into like lone wolf mode and just kill it from this point it seems like you've been so focused on your directing during this time And you and Tom have been putting out, your boyfriend Tom, who is an excellent artist and rapper, have been putting out so much, I hate saying this, content, but music and videos and you've put poetry books out and records and you've got a clothing line. I mean, is there anything that you can't do? (laughs) There's a lot of things I can't do. (laughs) Okay, well, name one because... (laughs) Well, I'm totally like, I'm very ADHD. Like, it's crazy. Like every 
two months, I spend a ton of money on a new hobby of mine that just goes to die in a cabinet somewhere. So like in December, (laughs) in December, I found out I'm not very good at making candles. And this month, oh, I remember oh. this phase. Yeah, I remember this phase. And I'm a fellow candle dipper myself. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I grew up dipping candles. Tell me more. Well, as you know from listening to the show, Lucy had to make all of her own products as a child. I had to make all she- my own toys and all my household items. So I have dipped many a candle in my day. That's so funny. <laughs> And this month, why were you learned... good at dipping candles? It doesn't really take much to do. It's well, kind of it takes, hard to suck at that. It takes time, and like then your whole kitchen is ruined, <laughs> and like I've got wax on everything. I've actually managed to jam one of my drawers. This is the end of the candle thing, okay? I put too much stuff in my top drawer, and I jammed all my tools in the top drawer. So then I was like, all right, well, I guess on to the next thing. And this month it's been uh, 3D design. So I've been doing like tutorials on 3D design and doing all that shit. And I'm also really into crypto right now. So it's just my ADD takes me everywhere. And I've learned at this point in my life to just like follow it. If it takes me away from music for like two months, that's totally fine. I'll come back to music. And I try not to judge myself for just like following my heart um, wherever it fucking wants to lead me. I'm in the exact same so spot good. with that. I don't know if you are too, Annabelle. Mm-hmm. This is so strange being so close to you. <laughs> Annabelle and I are like, <laughs> Annabelle and I have to be face to face today because we're hooked up to this earpiece that has a wire on it. Because I... Okay, get out of my face when I'm talking to you. <laughs> don't look at me. Listen, look at me when I'm talking I don't to like you. Feeling I feel, I feel like you're not here for me. I feel very unsupported emotionally. I feel like a conjoined twin and Does I my breath smell like pancakes? Breathe. I can't breathe. Get... Oh, the fuck away from my face. (laughs) Yes, Nova, I completely agree with that. The last couple days in particular, I've been thinking a lot about it, how I'm learning to have grace and and no judgment with myself if I, when I flow between things, it's like, yeah, we have to work under deadlines. We all know how to do that as musicians and actors here. And deadlines are great. I can definitely do deadlines. But when my brain is interested and curious about something else, I'm learning not to be so rigid with myself and and talk myself out of it. I'm learning to just go with the flow. Go with the flow, man. Yeah, and just not shit on yourself because you're stepping away from, like you said, Nova, the music for a bit. It's like, it's not going anywhere. You will be doing music till the day you die. We'll be doing music till the day we die. It's like taking two months off to learn a new skill is only going to enrich you as a person. Exactly. And you don't know what that experience, you don't know what inside you is asking for that experience. And so when you follow it, you discover something in there that comes right back to your music and gives you a missing piece. Yeah. Now I have to put my hand around you, Annabelle, because it's easier to just put my arm around your shoulders. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is like doing that makes the music better because if you're constantly forcing it um, and you're like, oh, I have to write a song It's uninspired. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's just like, God, you know what? Sometimes with the music, I'm just like, yeah, I don't want to hear my voice and thoughts all day, every fucking day of my life. Exactly sick of myself dude i have yeah which is why i started a podcast (laughs) now i'm even more sick of myself (laughs) no and you i'm sick of you too mean (laughs) i get i get really sick of myself really sick of myself because like you know having a bunch of people who just want to talk to you about you all day and 
you know, like logging in Instagram, Instagram feels like an obligation sometimes. And like, when it starts to feel mm. like that, I don't post for like a month. <laughs> like, I just, yeah. and there's constantly people wanting to talk to you about you. Like, there's just so many phone calls and Zoom meetings and just so much shit. I get so fucking sick of, of just being inside my brain and like having to navigate as an artist so that it's like, it's really nice to just step away and be super norm core and pour candles for like two months. <laughs> Yes. No, I think it's really necessary as well. I think as artists, going back to what we were saying before about sort of trying different things, it's like, I think we've all come up during a time where we've been so trained to be like, stay in your lane, concentrate on your music. There can't be anything else. Mm -hmm. And if there is, you're not going to win and you have to work every day and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's, the world has changed so much. It's almost like that used to be considered being... It, what would have been considered being a jack of all trades is now literally how you fucking survive mm-hmm. as an artist. It's like, you have to be, you have to di- diversify and it's adapt or die. And I would say that one of the things that I've been just watching you over the last, you know, few years, because we met, how old were we? 23 when we met. How I'm 33 now, so I don't know how old you are. Yeah, well, I'm, th- I'm I'm 32 and you and me signed to the same production deal mm-hmm. when, or sp- people, whatever, when we were, I was 23. I was 24. So holy shit, okay. probably like, sorry, so I'm 32. I don't know why I said I'm 33. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been, <laughs> it's been a while. I have no idea how old I am. <laughs> yeah, it's been like nine years. Yeah, it's been a long time. Wow. So you two, so you two met nine years ago when you were both signed to the same production company. I was in a production deal and a publishing deal with them. I was signed. They were basically like my baby label, and then we signed to Mercury Records, which then changed into Island Def Jam. But I didn't have. Oh, no, the... I was on Island Def Jam too. I know. Nova. I love hearing you talk about that. <laughs> Oh, oh, hello. Why am I telling you things? No, um, no, but so all three of us were signed to production deals. That's pretty rare. Well, I feel mine, like. I mean, I, mine wasn't a production deal. I didn't have the producer attached to my deal. There was another person involved in Annabelle's deal. And I was just signed with one of them through to Mercury. So I did the whole like writing circuits like I was writing like that's what I did eight times a week. That's what it I did. Crazy. Yeah, me too. I signed with a with a company and then I wrote with all their writers every day and then through them went on to sign at Island Def Jam. Yeah. Interesting. So that's kind of the origin of how we met. And I've watched you go through that deal, your major label deal, and then trying to get out of your deal, which we've all had to do mm-hmm. and spent a lot of time and money mm-hmm. and heartache doing. To, I mean, and we can talk about that. You and I have chatted about it slightly, and you've said to me, if you don't mind me sharing, that you don't really know how to talk about it with people, and you don't really like talking about it for various reasons. But one of the reasons is that it caused you so much pain and distress that you don't know how to discuss it. And also, it's really hard for people to understand I think it's such a weird problem to have Mm -hmm. and it seems like such a first world problem to have and in in it is in many ways but I think that I can really relate to you when you say that you 
that people don't really understand the pain of of that whole situation you it for me I felt completely like beyond castrated it it was like I was locked away like I couldn't create Mm -hmm. I couldn't release music I couldn't write music there was no point in writing music because they owned everything that I was writing and I then that was a waste because I couldn't put it out and it you know it's like this you're in this cycle where you just kind of have to stop until and duck and tuck and roll basically until it's over um and the thing that you do that gives you life that is how you make your money that is how you survive both internally and you know with the external world as far as it's being your job is taken from you and you are not in control of your own life anymore. It's hard to explain that to people and the pain that it causes when you're trying to tear away from it. It took several years for me to get out of my deal. But do you have like any thoughts on that? Or now, you know, we're all kind of far away from it enough that we probably are able to talk about it a bit more kind of philosophically than maybe in time, I don't know. Like, And see more clearly what happened. Yeah, or just see differently, you know, like, because who knows, I might have had to tell myself a few things to heal from that whole situation as well that, you know, it's just my experience, but my experience with it was that for years, like three and a half years, I was just like exploited kind of creatively (coughs) to make things that I didn't even want to make. So they're like, okay, she's a talented rapper and like a singer and she can like write and all of this stuff. So they, they wanted, when I first signed the deal, they loved my idea. I was like, I want to be the female Beastie Boys. I love Weezer. I like Jim Class Heroes, Travi McCoy, you know, and that was like my inspiration was like this, like alt rock fun music that I loved. And the last session that I went to, the way that I ended my deal, the notes that we got from the label um, on the song that we were working on were, can she do this and sound a little bit more like Kesha? So I just immediately started crying and I left and that was the last session that I showed up to. And mm. and that's kind of like indicative of, of just how much things changed because when I first signed, I was so excited about my project. I was gonna get to make the album that I always wanted to make. And that felt like I my dreams had just come true. And then as things evolved and you know the label switched around and I ended up on Island and then Island Def Jam and a bunch of different places. And then I had different people working for me. And then it was just like so much had changed that my place on the label where I ended up was like, okay, they have like Nick Jonas and Iggy Azalea, you know, like how can, how can Nova fit into this, this mix? And I really didn't want to fit into that mix. And it was just, it was so tough writing, you know, eight songs a week. And then have it feeling like personally, I have nothing to show for it because those songs didn't feel like mine. They weren't from my voice. Like the reason that I started writing songs was to like work out things that I was dealing with, you know, internally. And that's what they fell in love with. And then to show up and every song has to be a happy song or every song has to be a party song because I'm a girl rapper. And that's so fun for me to do, apparently. Um, It just stripped me of a lot. Like I, by the end of that deal, I felt like I'd lost who I was, who was this like carefree, don't give a fuck. Like I'm here to have a good time. And like, but like also dealing with fucking mental health issues the whole fucking time. So I lost that big part of who I was in the writing process. And then losing that deal, I felt like I just tried for so long to be perfect for them. 
And then, so not only was I not myself, but I like, wasn't perfect either. And like, there was like a huge like period of just healing that and having to remember who I was. I didn't make music for years. So mm-hmm. me too. Same, same. So yeah, it's so crazy at the end of that process when you have to have that reckoning with yourself of, I hate, I hate to use this word because I don't, I now do not see my experience and achievements in that situation as failures, but you have to look in the mirror and go, I failed and I didn't even fail on my own terms. I failed at trying to be somebody else's version of myself. It's like, I didn't even give myself the chance to see if I could do it because I did it for them. And that was one of the things that was really kind of shameful for me Mm -hmm. was, was that side of it. And I had a lot of anger and resentment towards the people I was signed to because I felt like you guys took me on and you knew what I was at the beginning and you let this get bastardized Mm -hmm. and you profited of it. And then when it didn't work for you anymore, you just fucked off. And, um, you know, it was a little bit deeper than that for me. You know, I was unfortunately in a contentious situation where by I was being like blackballed essentially. And, you know, the classic, she's difficult to work with, she's crazy stuff. See, um, and I was so scared about being called that because everyone that I had on my team um, would just constantly be like, oh, you can't give this note because they'll think you're not easy to deal with. Or like, you can't act like this in sessions because you want people to want to work with you. And I kind of like resent myself now, you know, like I resent Mm. that I listen to that because I never hear that now. I never hear that I'm hard to work with. I hear that I'm like phenomenal at business. Do you know what I mean? And I, and I like put my foot down and I like, you know, I like respect myself a lot now for having my opinion and and back then I was like kind of led to believe that that my opinion was going to screw me over in the music industry so yeah and that your personality and who your essence were gonna screw you over in some way I mean for me that's how it was it was like don't be who you are because who you are is too much and people aren't gonna like it yeah and just even outside of that it's like you know I would get notes from like eight different people on my hair or makeup or whatever. And they're saying mm. like, perfect example. The first time that I was in a shoot a real music video was for this video called Problems. And I didn't really love the treatment, but everybody else on the team loved it. So I was like, okay, we'll do it. I trust you guys. Um, and then they're like, what are you gonna wear? And I literally like looked down at what I was wearing and I was wearing like an oversized t-shirt and some crappy terry towel shorts and like no makeup and hair just a mess. I was like. I was like, I thought I would just look exactly like this. And they all laughed at me. And, you know, and then after that, I showed up and they had a stylist, like a makeup artist, like a hair person. And and watching back these videos and seeing this person who doesn't look like me and I don't yeah. connect with um, is really hard for me. Like, I cannot watch my old music videos because it's just, I'm acting like a teenager when I'm like 25 and I'm not someone who loves dumbing myself down but that was a constant Mm -hmm. note I had from them it's like you have to look like this and you have to dumb yourself down and you have to like just 
fit in this nice little box and I be accessible. Yeah. And I think me showing up with like crazy hair and, you know, just mascara on is like, is the most authentic way that I exist, you know? So they removed a lot of authenticity over three years by like, I would have to send in photos of the outfits I was planning on wearing to events. Like I'd send in 10 outfits and they'd pick the outfit for me. And yeah, you know, I just, I couldn't make a decision for myself. So it was, it was really hard afterwards, after that, you know, when the record deal was said and done, was having to make decisions for myself again. I literally threw my hands up in the air and was like, I can't do this. I was like, I can't, I don't know who I am as an artist. Like I felt mm-hmm. robbed of the artist that I was because I think that I was like a, a good artist when I signed and they turned me into kind of mm-hmm. what everybody else is as time went on. Yeah, I, I feel totally. Too. Oh my god, yeah. completely. Like the music video thing, I completely. You agree. and I are both so humiliated by our music video. I've taken mine off the internet because I'm like, I can't even. I don't want anyone to ever see this again. I hate. It. I'm mortified by it. Yeah, mine were same... never released because they spent over two million dollars on me and then dropped the whole thing because they decided that it wasn't going to sell. But they had signed me from playing the piano in their office, a song that I had written. Mm -hmm. They signed me on the spot for a lot of money, a lot of money. And they, no, 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 I'm just saying it's no, you know, they wonder why the music business has no money because they believe in what they see. They do have money. It's for fucking shit. They always go, they got no money. They do have money. Well, they spent it on uh, something that they just put in the trash, and I've seen them do that a lot. So many it's times. shocking mm-hmm. how they they spend that kind of money, and then they just go, eh, not going to work. Yeah. Uh, but that's fine. That's the way the business works. There's nothing wrong with that. But on the personal side, yeah, a music video where I had been signed at the piano, and then it turns into a Britney record, essentially, And the music video, they brought in the top choreographer at the time. I forget her name. Really nice woman. And they're making me dance. Like dance, like hip hop dance. And I'm doing my best because I want it to work and I want this to go and I want everybody to be happy. Because this is what you And I want to do. You're literally singing and dancing for these people (laughs) like a clown. And this is your dream and you're like trusting them because they're the experts and they're going, no, this is going to work. This is what you should do. Okay. Um, And I'm in head to toe, you know, spandex. Well, yeah, the neon. A lot of neon in your project. The neon, a lot of neon, you know, the spandex, and and I'm dancing, I'm doing these hip-hop moves and these high heels, and I look like a fucking idiot. And then you just see it back and you go, who is that? Who is that? It's so hard. It's so fucking hard (laughs) as an artist because you, like we were saying earlier about getting sick of ourselves and thinking about ourselves all the time and talking about ourselves all the time nobody has to do that nobody has to look at themselves as much Mm -hmm. as an artist does like what what how do I look what's my best angle you just think about yourself from fucking morning till night and it's not just coming from inside of you it's what is everyone else thinking of me and that's the most destructive thing about it. It's very it. It's destructive. Just, it's not, you're not looking at yourself in a healthy, introspective way. You're looking at yourself through other, through people's, other people's lens. I'm like a very yeah. superficial, and, on a very superficial basis, you know? And so you're almost- Yeah, people who don't know you at all. Mm-hmm. So you're robbing yourself of depth when you're doing that because you're literally just analyzing the superficial basis and making sure that superficial 
side is coming across properly that you're like literally robbing yourself. You really are. And you are absolutely right when you say, I mean, for me, I feel that the artist that I was, I feel robbed. I feel robbed of all of that. And I feel robbed of my 20s, quite frankly, by the people I was signed to. And that's kind of the most should be in a young female artist most lucrative years of your life is in your 20s because they don't give a fuck about you when as soon as you get into your 30s it's like you're considered 50 years old if you're in your 30s by the kind of major label system and the mainstream I don't even want to say mainstream because no I I, yeah I believe in the consumer and the, the general population is that if they hear something good they like it they don't care one example that always comes to mind for me is like you know there's this artist in UK called Jessie Ware who was much older when she first came out and when I watched that Tina Turner doc the other day that bitch was like 50 or something when she had her mm-hmm. comeback I mean obviously she had the Ike and Tina show but you show them something good they'll buy it it's just I feel like it's these gatekeepers at the major labels who just have no taste anyway and they're the ones telling you oh no this isn't going to work and it's like we haven't even given it a fucking chance yeah Yeah. and I think the the psychological damage is what robs what, what cost me a lot of time I know that psychological damage and not understanding the seriousness of it. Yeah, the long-term implications. Yeah, not really understanding what had happened to you and how to recover from that and how to heal yourself. Not under not having those coping tools and and the and the information. I mean, I'm just now starting to understand what happened. That psychological recovery. I mean, how were there ways in which you feel uh that were effective for you to kind of come back from that situation where you lost yourself and you lost your job and you lost dignity and pride and, you know, all of those things. Were there specific turning points for you? Were there things that really helped? Yeah. That's not too big of a question. Yeah. Yeah. How did you heal from that? Well, I'm sure you're still healing, but (laughs) what has the process been? um, For years, I just kind of shied away from making music. And I had this like gaping hole inside of me mm-hmm. that just, I, I thought time would heal. I thought like eventually it would just go away and like I would feel better about it. And I tried to be normal. I told my parents that, you know, music doesn't make me happy. I don't think I'm going to make it anymore. And, you know, I'm lucky I had a front row seat to help Tom get to where he's going to be. So I was co-writing with him on his hook. So I still had that outlet. And then my music videos were getting really good. So I still had that outlet. And I got to be involved in the music video and the music business from like behind the scenes, which felt so comforting to not have to have my face Mm. everywhere, not have it be me they were talking about, like not have to really put myself out there. But that hole didn't go away. And then one morning, um, I just, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't stop crying. It was just so hard. Like I just, it brings tears to my eyes just thinking about it that like I knew it was missing and and I sat with that for like a week just knowing that it was missing and knowing that I needed to make music and then you know it was to the point where I felt embarrassed to pick up my phone and try writing a song you know I felt Mm. I felt bad for myself I felt embarrassed I felt all these terrible things and I wrote the song that had to be written with all of like you know I feel like 
my manager abandoned me. I feel like my label abandoned me. These are people, I'm not a very social person. So talking constantly to these people for three and a half years, I tricked myself into believing these are my friends for life. This is my family. Like I loved them, you know? And, and I took all of the fucking abuse and shit in stride because I was just like, I love them and they love me and they just want what's best for me. And I wouldn't let myself feel just completely fucking abandoned and, and like, maybe they didn't care about me the same way that I cared about them. And so I finally let myself feel that and accepted it and just wrote the song that had to be written, that I was angry, that I was sad, that like you guys, I wanted to fucking die. Where the hell were you guys? And Mm. after I wrote that song, I had an album done in like two weeks. I'd written the entire album in my phone. And then I sat on the album for a year because I was so scared of what they were going to think when I released it. I was like, I'm going to put this out and they're all going to laugh at me. I was like, they're going to send this around the office and they're going to say like, oh my God, look at her trying to have a career. Like I thought I was immediately going to be judged by them. And that was another thing I had to overcome to even put the album out. I remember right when I finished it and I got all the final mixes back, I was like listening to them on repeat on my phone being like, okay, it's really good. It's really good. I love it. And then I'd get off the phone and just cry to Thomas about how terrified I was about putting this music out. I had the music videos done for six months before I released one. And then finally I was just like, I'm doing it. I have to do it. And then the first music video got to a million views in like three days. And I got my fuck you moment, you know? And I was like, see, you were wrong about me. And I was right about me from the beginning. And I got that moment. And that is like what it took to heal. So, and then my album, like, I was like number one on the iTunes charts. Like, it was just like, I had to have that fuck you moment to like really heal from it. And then I called them out on my fucking Instagram and everything. And that was another thing where I was like, I posted the video that they put out for me that like, isn't even out a million views that it's at like 250,000 and my video that broke a million in like three days. And I was like, major label, (laughs) $50,000 music video, spent fucking God knows how much on promotion, spent $25,000 on the beat, spent all this fucking money. Me, my boyfriend made me a beat. I shot a music video in my fucking kitchen with a backdrop. Yeah. Like it was just like, it was the only thing that, that really changed the way that I felt about myself was getting my like big fuck you moment. (laughs) Success is the best revenge. Yeah. It really is. And it sounds to me like what you're saying is not just getting angry, you know, how we, we say here that it's good to get angry sometimes. And this is why. Getting angry, <laughs> getting mad. But also you decided to take control of your own life. Yeah. And you said to yourself, I'm going to make my own music. I'm going to make my own videos. I'm going to make my own artwork and I'm going to do this on my terms. This is my story, my journey. And that is one of the things I've been so impressed by with you and just gotten so much joy watching you over the years because I know you were struggling you know intimately because I was also struggling but you know we're always I'm always watching the other girls that we were signed with Mm -hmm. and cheering them on a hundred percent you know and to see you completely take things into your own hands and absolutely fucking smash it has been so joyful and I just feel you make me feel so hopeful you know and there's no reason that artists cannot bounce back and do things 
their own way they must on their own terms they must with their own money you just can't be a prick about it you have to keep your books you have to be organized you have to keep the right people around you you know all of those things and I would just love to hear whether you know was that a very conscious thing for you or did it happen organically and what was the turning point where you you know because it's you but it's also you know you really collaborate on all this with your partner Tom it seems like you guys are such a solid team Mm -hmm. and you work with each other for each other that you guys kind of looked at each other and went like fucking hell we're doing this and we can do this because we're smashing it on our own Mm -hmm. you know this is our business now this is we are our own we're the CEOs of our own yeah industry here there was like a moment where okay I was just doing whatever I was like I'm gonna start a blog Mm -hmm. and I started writing these blogs and I like loved it and then he'd be like why are you writing a blog people want to hear your music there's like hundreds of thousands of people that follow you on the internet that want to hear your music and you're giving them a blog he's like can you just do something like for yourself here and like I'd watched him make a ton of money he's like you can make a living like doing this music like and really pushed me towards like taking myself seriously as an artist again. And then after I made the album, I was like, you know, I'm the queen of inaccessible art. Like I put out a USB stick that you had to hack into different folders to really experience the whole thing. I put out a cassette tape, mm-hmm. like, and I, w- I came to him and I was like, I'm going to think I'm going to put it on vinyl. And I wanted to put it on vinyl to hide it in plain sight from the people that I didn't want to hear it you know, and he got so mad at me that I was even thinking about putting it on vinyl. He was like, no, do a CD, like do it the right way. Like let people hear your music for once. And that really like was really hard for me. Cause I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I was just, I was just so scared, you know? So, so there was a turning point when you stopped hiding basically yeah. and you stopped guarding your music and you just laid it all out there Mm -hmm. for anyone and everyone to to see and hear and now you seem to have a constant stream of creative work that you're putting out you design clothes I'm wearing your sweatshirt right now that you sent me that I love (laughs) I love so much has a sword on it as you guys know I'm obsessed with swords they're like my grief um talisman is like a sword Uh, I don't know why my therapist said it's because the sword is obviously like a male it's like a phallic thing and Mm. it's like the two main men in my life have gone so it's Mm. like I have to pick up the sword now and bear the sword I love it so that's why and thank you so much I fucking love this sweatshirt and I love everything that you design you also have written two poetry books you put out singles and albums I just want to know how you manage it all you're you're so busy and you're putting out so much stuff and it's just you and Tom I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around how you do it all is it your ADHD (laughs) yes you're like yeah 100% 100%. because like even that poetry book the first one that I put out um it was I finished it it was sitting on my shelf again six months and every once in a while, I'd walk yeah. over to it and pick it up and be like, oh, this is so cool. And then the next thought that came into my head was like, this is so stupid. You know, like you're fucking, this is dumb. Like people don't want to read your poetry book. And then <laughs> it just took me one day. I think I woke up and I was like, no, I'm going to do it. 
And I, I was like, okay, I'm doing it. And then I just took the picture of me holding the one and put it in my store and ordered a hundred more of them. And then they nice. sold out within the first day. And so I had to keep ordering more and keep ordering more. And then, you know, one day I just woke up, I was like, maybe, maybe I should put it on Amazon. <laughs> and then I put it on Amazon. And then the next day it was like number one in poetry. So it's just like, yeah. I'm just like, I'm following my impulses. Because who knows, maybe my impulses are in tune with something else. And they're right. I think you're following your instincts. I think that to say it's just your impulses discredits you in a way I think that you clearly have excellent instincts when it comes to your own artistry and that's a big part of probably why you felt so fucked up after the deal is because you ha- I mean I did specifically is because I had to constantly go against my instincts yeah you have and you're to. succeeding now colossally your instincts are good you have very good instincts um so sorry I'm just just like giving you a bollocking there of like not discrediting yourself sorry um <laughs> But like, like, bitch, you've got instincts. <laughs> but like the negative self-talk, I like, I fight with it constantly. Like I'll say it out loud as a joke, but I'm like, I'm actually constantly in my head. Like one side is like, you're an idiot. The song you're writing is terrible. And the other side of me is like, you're not an idiot. Mm-hmm. The song you're writing is not terrible. Like you're doing great. I was going to ask you, I was going to ask you, are you now, because you said you picked up the poetry book and you're like, this is great. And then literally a second later, you're like, this is garbage. And I was going to read this. Are you getting better at turning the voice down that says, Nova, you're a piece of shit, this is garbage? Um, yeah, I think with just not listening to it, um, it's mm-hmm. kind of quieted. Because I used to sit down yeah. and try and write a song and I'd get eight bars in and then just be like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, why are you even thinking about talking like this? Why do you think that people want to hear this? Like, what about you think this is good? Like just real direct mm-hmm. and saying the worst things you could possibly say like to myself, from myself. And then I've learned to just like persevere and to just keep doing yeah. it regardless. I'm like, I'll figure it out. I'm smart, you know? And like reaffirming that like, cool, it might not be where it needs to be right now, but I'm really good and I can get it there, you know? Do you feel that you <laughs> lost those instincts during your time being signed or... Did you have them before and they just, did that voice come in as a result of the label and all of those team around you going, this is wrong, sound like this, dress like this, wear this? I was like, before the label, I was always like incredibly sure of myself, you know, like at all times. I remember calling my dad and I was like, dad, if you can lend me 10 grand, I will have a record deal by the end of the year. Just because I was living in New York and I was like, I know how to do this. I know how to get this deal. Cause I thought that was the end goal. And like within Mm. seven months I had one, you know? And I just, I was so sure of myself that I would like, you know, I'm from Edmonton, Canada On, on two days notice. Um, I like packed all my stuff into a bag and moved to Toronto with like nowhere to live because I was like, I will figure it out and everything will be okay and have to chase every opportunity that's given to me and then during the record deal i still had those same instincts where i was like this music video is wrong this director's wrong i don't like this song but the problem is is that when i would say these things out loud i was difficult to work with or like mm-hmm. you know I, I just think i think their vision for me was like much smaller than my vision for myself well you're a manifester you're very you know that when you want something and you want to see something, you're capable of creating it. 
I think so, like to a certain degree. Like I have some self-doubt. Completely. But... Look at you with your videos. Look <laughs> at you with your videos. You, The sky is the limit with your videos. You guys do all that shit at your home. Mm-hmm. You create sets and you make those videos yourself and they have, you know, millions of views, not just a couple million views. There's like 15 million views on your videos. You know, people love your work. I would say you're completely a manifesto. Well, everything you're saying echoes exactly how I feel as well. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners, whether they're musicians or actors or, you know, dentists, what you're saying is really universal. And I completely understand that battle within the self. Look, to achieve anything in this life is a violent process. There is a violence that goes on inside where that voice of doubt is telling you that you're shit. And then that other voice says, no, I'm doing this anyway. And that's it, is you get to a place where it doesn't matter if it's shit. You got to get it out no matter what. And you cannot be precious about it. You just have to get it out and move on to the next. Not all of it's going to be good, but that's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. You just get it out. So to hear, hear you talk about this, Nova, and say you just push through that, is something that we can all learn from because it never goes away. And when we are in a situation where we are being mentally abused in a way, mm. you know, that psychological yeah, gaslit psychological warfare that goes on in a situation like a made, you know, major label record deal that we all share, your instincts are completely wiped out. And that's the tragedy of it. And the, the the work to get that back takes a while because your instincts get quieter and quieter the more you don't listen to them. Mm. And you have to coax them out again. You have to coax them out of hiding because after a while they just go, well, fuck you then. I'm not going to, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to go over here and take a break in the corner. Yeah. You know, call You're me. You're not listening. You're not listening to me. And so to start listening to that again makes it louder and louder and louder. That little voice of fear, that little doubt dragon is always going to be there, but you want to shrink him down into the corner so he's like a centimeter high. And you, <laughs> and every time that you push through, you're proving to yourself, yeah, fuck that thing. That was wrong. That yeah. voice was wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that that's... Really, really cool. I agree. Really inspiring. It, very inspiring. I'm, I'm really inspired by that. I needed to hear that right now just for the reminder that don't be precious about what you're doing. Just do it and keep moving because we think we have all the time in the world. We think we're going to be here for 500 years. We're not. <laughs> we're going to be here for that more than- one moment. You know that, Annabelle, right now more than anyone. We're going to be here for two seconds. What are you going to do to make it count? Yeah. What are you going to leave? What What did you do that helped someone else? It kind of goes back to the last Instagram I post I did about finding meaning. I think it's really important to find meaning it in this is. life. It's like, even if the meaning is, you know, it's not, grand ideas aren't for everyone. No. Not everyone is Nothing fu- is, is a fucking, grand idea at the beginning. Is as fucking crazy as we are, where we're like, yeah, we're going to fucking make a book or we're going to put, to some people, those things are unthinkable. Yeah. They would never think to do that. They don't want to do that. You know, we're artists, so we're crazy. Yeah, those you are know, our... Th- those are our dreams. Dreams. But it doesn't have to be some 
groundbreaking, world-changing thing. No, that's not what we're saying at all. We're simply saying, listen to yourself and do follow your curiosity. Even if you, look, you may not even necessarily know what you're passionate about. To say, what what are my passions? That's a big, scary word a lot of times. You don't know. Well, I don't know what I'm passionate about. Okay, well, here's a better question. What are you curious about? Yeah, what are you curious about? And follow that because that you can follow. And like Nova's saying with her candle dipping and, you know, her different 3D design, her 3D design and all her different hobbies. And, and I'm the same. And I know you are too, Annabelle. What am I curious about today? I'm curious about a couple of things. I am too. I'm curious. <laughs> what else about- are you curious about? <laughs> I'm curious about how Nova. Okay. So you went from Edmonton in Canada to Toronto and you were born in New York you were born in Edmonton I was born in Edmonton and then my parents uh got really into scuba diving so they were taking me to Jamaica for six months of every year until we finally moved there when I was like nine and then I was there until I was about 13 and then came back to Canada and then in Canada I was just with my dad and we weren't getting along super great so I ended up just in group homes um, until I was about 17. And then I moved to my own apartment. Um, and when I was about 19, um, you know, the fir- my first like record label, it wasn't a real record label, but I thought it was when I was 19. They hit me up and they're like, come out here. We want to sign you. So I packed all my shit and moved to Toronto um, where I was like, I co-wrote a song with The Weeknd before The Weeknd was anyone. I was at The Weeknd's first show in Toronto. Um, and then I met my boyfriend uh, when I was in Toronto, who's like an, an underground rapper legend, who's R.A. the Reggae Man. And I ended up moving out to New York with him. And then, you know, um, I met Jensen Karp, who was my, ended up being my manager um, when I was leaving that that whole relationship, because it was just super toxic. And when I was in Jamaica, I was on the phone with him and he's like, well, what are you going to do if the music stuff doesn't work? And I was like, well, you know, I'll probably just kill myself because I was just that was probably true when I was like 19 years old. But what I didn't know and what he knew is that I was standing a hundred steps from where he'd attempted suicide um, because of his failed music career. So right away that like sprung him into action to bring me out to LA. So then I moved um, to LA uh, and was sleeping on his couch for a month working with all these producers. And my name went like kind of virally through every A&R's mouth in, (laughs) in LA. And I met with every single record label so I've just been all over the place like trying to do this for so long to have to get that record deal which is what I was working towards the whole time and then to have it kind of just be what it was and then having no direction and no drive to even do it was like the most heartbreaking thing because that had been my driving force from 18 to like you know 27 just like wanting to make the music shit work and then being robbed of that hunger was like the most damaging thing because I can honestly say that like when it comes to music, I don't, I don't care as much as like Tom does. Like Tom finishes a music video and then two days later, he's like, oh, God, we got to figure out the next music video, you know? And I don't, I don't have that. I don't care if, you know, I get any more fans ever, you know? I'm just like mm. kind of just happy to to be doing it in the capacity that I'm willing to do it. Yeah. Should I stop myself from wanting to ask really personal questions at this point? No, ask any personal I mean, questions. 
I'm interested. I want to go about, back. Yeah, I'm interested to know about the group home. I am too. I want to know what what that is that you're glossing over in your life, where you went from living with your parents to not at such a young age. Can you share anything? Well, yeah, about that. I time can in share your life? everything. I've talked about all of it. Um, when we were living in Jamaica, my mom and dad's relationship wasn't very good, so my mom ended up having an affair which my dad found out about and to go confront her, he grabbed me and took me in the car to go find her at this bar on a date when I was like Mm. 11 years old. So that's a pretty vivid memory that I have is watching my parents' relationship fall apart, like literally right in front of me. That's actually taken a lot of years to feel okay about. And then because we were in this completely isolated country, um, my family didn't know about it. Uh, You know, I didn't have anybody to talk to. I was like, the only white kid at school. So that was a tough thing being so bright in a school system, I guess, and mm-hmm. standing out so much when I really just wanted to sink in and, and deal with, you know, my family life. And it came to the point where like grade seven, I went from grade six, I was the in Jamaica, they, they rate you in class, I was number one in my class. And I got into the best school in Jamaica that like everyone wants to go to. And then grade seven, which is shortly after all this happened, I wasn't showing up to a single class. Like I would just go to school and then hide to the point where like, I live on a resort in Jamaica. I would just put on my bathing suit underneath my school uniform and go to the beach and make tourist friends. And then in making tourist friends, you have a best friend for a week and a half that you never, ever talk to or see again. So I was constantly saying goodbye to people, which is probably why I'm a little bit reclusive now. It's like kind of that's, those were my relationships when I was young. I get close and and then they go away. So just listening that to that, it's like, do you not want to invest in people now because you, uh, you assume they're going to leave? I think it's, so you'd rather not even bother. Not even because there's people that I love that I just don't talk to. Like my best friend, I haven't talked to her in four months, but she's the person I love most, you know? And it's just that mm-hmm. my attention can only go so many places. And if, if that person doesn't text me for a few weeks, I'm not, texting either because my attention is other places so like think of all that that's a lot of trauma to go through when you're like really young so Mm -hmm. when I got back to Canada I was just a complete psycho like I was just a I I was like there was times where like I couldn't sleep I would think that there was ghosts everywhere or something like I was like literally paranoid and just like had a ton of like mental problems where like I would go sleep on the floor in my dad's room, like just so clingy. Like I had to be close to someone that I loved. I would go sleep on the floor in my dad's room. And then, you know, he's dealing with a lot with the, you know, his relationship with my mom and we're alone in Canada together and he's heartbroken and very irritable. And I would take him getting angry at things is just like, it was the worst thing that could happen in the world. So I would just run away. I would run away for like a week at a time and go live with all the homeless kids. Um, to the point where one time I ran away and I came home and the door was locked. Um, then I called my dad and was like, I just, I, you know, I love you. I'm just so sad and I'm so messed up. And can you please come get me? I want to like fix our relationship kind of thing. And then, uh, he showed up and he picked me up and I'd never felt more relieved in my life that he picked me up. And then two seconds later, um, the cops pulled in behind us and took me into a holding cell and I ended up in group care. So it was just a really hard time in my life um, to 
just need someone and like not have anyone. And I, I just didn't have any roots. I had no roots anywhere because of moving to Jamaica and moving back. And like, you know, it was hard. Do you, did your dad arrange for the cops to take you into the group home? Yeah. Yeah. And I see on your social media that you do have a relationship with both parents to some degree now. Is that been really hard to sort of establish and has, you know, it sounds to me like a lot of forgiveness and a lot of grace has to be given in in a situation like this. And I I can imagine you feeling really resentful and, and angry towards your parents, quite frankly. What's that been? Like, can you share that with us or? Well, I really believe that like everyone's just doing the best that they can with what they have. And I don't know how I would feel if my 15 year old daughter is running away for a week at a time. And like, you know, I was doing any drug I could get into contact with just trying to like, just trying to feel okay. So I don't know what I would have done. Would I probably have done the same thing? Yeah. My daughter needs help and I can't give her the help. Clearly she won't even stay in my house. You know, like he didn't, I don't, he probably didn't understand, know how to protect you. Exactly. And so you, you were in the group homes from that point for years or months or? The first one I was in, I was in there for a few months and then I'd go home and try to live. You know, my mom came back instantly. Once I ended up in group home, she moved back to Canada. So I'd go to my mom's house, but I was so angry. Like I was so angry that like she had done this to our lives and all this stuff. And I like really resented her for it because I didn't understand that everyone's just doing the best that they can when I was like 16 years old. So I would find myself in a new group home every like month or two. And I'd stay there for like a month until, you know, I wasn't so angry. And then I go try and live with my parents and nope, I'm fucking pissed. (laughs) Like I'm just pissed. So it was like a lot of back and forth, but. What were the group homes like? Did they feel dangerous? Was there violence there? Were there drugs? Or was it a a nurturing environment? Well, the group home staff was absolutely amazing. A lot of those people, I've actually been texting someone this week because uh, a few of my friends back home, someone, there was a suicide attempt. uh, Someone's trying to get off heroin. You know, I sent some money to try and help. And, uh, you know, I've just been tuned in, but some of the people are amazing, but like even a lot of the, the girls that I see in touch with from, from group homes have had really, really tumultuous lives. Like you never know when you pick up the phone, if it's going to be like, Oh, I just lost my kids or like, Oh my God, I got a job and I'm having a great time. It's, it's really tough staying in touch with them. Um, and when we were in group homes, uh, you know, it felt like, it felt like a family, but people would just disappear every once in a while. You'd be like, Oh, like my best friend is, this girl, Samantha Turkleson, who I haven't been able to find on, on on the internet since then. And one day she just left the group home and never came back. We never heard from her and her bed got closed because if you're gone for two days in a row, your bed gets closed. And so it was the same thing as, as in Jamaica where people would, you'd come home from school and someone would have just been moved to another group home and you never talk to them again. Or someone has been AWOL absent without leave for like two days and then never comes back. So it was tough. And then you're a fucked up kid and you're put into a house with a ton of other fucked up kids. Like I can't even count the number of times that we got up in the morning, went out and like did a bunch of drugs and then came back to the group home fucked up. And like, 
it was just constantly trying to still get fucked up while you're like living in a group home. And I did some emergency group homes, which is like, I don't have a place you want to need a place right now. And they house you for a month. And like, I had all of my clothes go missing. I had constantly, there was like people who come in who just break your heart. There was like a 14 year old girl and we stole her diary. And we read in her diary that she had given a homeless man a blowjob for $8 so she could buy cigarettes. Like, it's just, it's, it's really, it's a really sad fucked up place to be, but it's kind of nice to be with a bunch of kids who have been through a bunch of shit as well. So who understand you, there's no explanation necessary. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, thank you for sharing that Nova. That's really, um, really vulnerable and sensitive subject. And I really appreciate you being so open about it. And yeah, it gives me a lot of insight into why you are the way you are, to be honest. And because I've always wondered, but never, you know, of course you and I aren't mega close. So I don't want to pry and just, you know, randomly ask Mm -hmm. things, but you know, it makes sense that you don't communicate with people frequently or that you don't want to socialize or you don't, you know, keep close friends other than it seems to me your partner, you're usually very close and tied in with, with your partner. Um, it makes sense given, given your background, you know, you were going back and forth from Jamaica to Canada all the time and then you moved there and then you didn't have any friends there and then your parents, you know, disappeared into their own shit, Mm -hmm. you know, it all makes complete sense. Is it, is it something that you feel is just how you are now? Is it something that you would like to change? Is it, are you comfortable with the way that you do things? I guess I just wonder if it's a model that works for you or if you're just used to it. I am used to it, but there is like a piece of me that's like, oh, I don't have a group chat. Do you know what I mean? Or like, yeah. And like, I did have a couple close friends when I first came to LA. And then uh, actually when I lost my record deal and I saw just how little they gave a fuck about something that was like, it was so hard for me. And I would literally talk to them and be like, guys, I'm like feeling really bad right now. And they just kind of laugh it off because it was something that they couldn't understand. Yeah. And eventually, you know, everything blew up and they went around and like talked a bunch of shit about me saying I was like doing mess now and shit like that. They like just said a bunch of wild shit. And I was like, how I, I don't understand going from being someone's like close friend to like, you know, like going around talking about you. Exactly. Them. It's a betrayal. Exactly. So I do. Well, the three of us can have a group chat. <laughs> Well, it'll be so boring because every three months I'll pop into it and be like, hey, guys, how is it? Yeah, it'll just be me and Annabelle, basically, and then you can just pop in every six months. And Probably best you turn off notifications. Yeah, just turn it off, but know that it's there for you. Yeah. Just so you know, it's there for you. I think that we should... So you're our first guest, and we've got a couple of more that we've reached out to who all have similar stories to us as far as the music industry stuff goes. Um and I was joking at the beginning when we very first started the pod that we should start an artist anonymous group for like major label artists in recovery. Maybe that should be our group chat. 
all the girls that come on the pod to talk about their major label trauma, attraction yeah. trauma, can be on the group chat and Artists you can anonymous. just dip in whenever you want. We'll be here. You don't even need a profile picture. Just have like a, you know, one of those gray picture shadow Picture of people. one of your dogs. Yeah. Sure. Um, Invite me. <laughs> Okay, I know. I want is I've got juicy, <laughs> a little juicy question. So, as we have discussed her, you work on your boyfriend Tom's music a lot, and Tom is very controversial. Oh, and as a result of that, you've been sucked into his controversy. He raps about things that are, I feel like. I love them. Yeah, it's like kind of, it's like, I like to say that I'm post-woke. Like I was woke at one point and then I became disenfranchised from the woke movement and now I'm post-woke, if not bordering on whatever the opposite of woke is. Me. Lucy Walsh is the opposite of woke. No, I think think you just don't, some of it you just don't even know what it is. I just have no idea what's going on. I'm just in the woods. I'm just in the forest, um, hugging trees. That's me. I'm just hugging trees. That's nice. That's why I get along with you because I say stuff to her, and she's literally got no fucking idea what I'm talking. <laughs> I've about. heard that on the podcast before. <laughs> I I dip into the world just as much as I need to. Actually, last week you took out a joke when you said I don't know about TikTok, and I said it's not the noise a clock makes. Yeah, and you took that out of the pod, and I thought it was so funny. <laughs> she just doesn't. You well, know some yeah, stuff, but... I know some stuff, but I love Tom's music. It's fantastic. I love everything he says. I think it's so spicy. It's so he's a, crazy. He's a and spicy the world lad. More tr- he's a truth sayer. He is a truth sayer. And I just think bless people like him. We need We need people like that. Yeah. Violence to get peace and wonder why it isn't working. That's like sleeping with a football team to try and be a virgin. Politicians are for sale and someone always makes the purchase. But you and I cannot afford it. Our democracy is worthless. If a man has mental illness, call him crazy. Say it silently. When country's going crazy, we accept it as society. Get sick and take a pill. When the side effects get you high, you get addicted like these rappers dying fighting with sobriety censoring the facts turns our children into idiots they claim it's for our safety i'll tell you what it really is removing information that empowers all the citizens the truth doesn't damage points of view that are legitimate they're trying to change amen to amen and women how do we let them make praying a microaggression instead of asking god for the strength to keep winning we cheat to get ahead and then we ask him for forgiveness feminism used to be the most righteous of fights but these days it feels like they secretly hate guys i don't trust anyone who bleeds for a week and don't die i'm just kidding but everything else that i said is right you guys reached out to me and asked me to do some singing on one of his songs a a while ago that was ages ago we needed like someone who could do opera yeah like you needed a female voice and i went online and looked looked at his stuff and i was so frightened of it at the time (laughs) because i was still like so um well because you're scared that you're gonna get canceled for like you know yeah I was scared I was gonna get cancelled by association whereas now I'm desperate to get cancelled yeah we're trying to get cancelled every week cancelled so that I can move past that phase of my life and then just live my life but I remember it's so funny that I to think about it wasn't even that long ago like a few years ago whatever it was but the difference in perspective that I have now and obviously Tom's been on that tip for a minute and as as you have as well (laughs) Um, I just wondered what it's like for you because I have 
my opinions and we have our opinions and we're kind of starting to reveal slightly more maybe how we feel about things Mm -hmm. and you actually texted me Nova and said I can't believe I'm so shocked that you actually like feel this way about self I just never had you pegged as this kind of person and I wasn't always like that but I guess what it is is I'm just always admiring people who are willing to step out into the truth and Tom and you really take a lot of shit for what you do and I just what is that like what is it like to be considered to be so controversial for just saying things that are potentially maybe just like truth or just neutral but are considered so controversial in this time and I remember you once telling me that you got death threats so you couldn't do gigs in LA because you were getting like threats against your safety you know this is really intense stuff so I was just wondering if you could just if you care to tell us a bit more about sort of what that's like. It's different constantly. Like I had a couple friends who we just released a a song title and the single cover who would just start texting me to fight about it. And I'm like, you haven't even heard the song yet or seen the video and you don't even know what you're talking about. The song I'm talking about is If I Was Black. And I Photoshopped Tom's face. It was half his face and half a black man's face. And people were like, that's blackface. I'm like, that's not blackface. Blackface is a very specific thing that we may have considered. Mm. (laughs) We may have laughed about doing, but we definitely did not do that, you know? And, and, and people texted me freaking out. And I just, you know, I turned my phone off because I just, I just don't care. (laughs) Like it, it sucks seeing people go, but like, I'm completely unbothered by a hundred people on my Instagram deciding to call me racist one day because I'm like disconnected from my Instagram comments. I also like, I'm constantly battling with the fact that you're only getting a certain side of me on, on Instagram. And I'm like extremely multifaceted. Mm -hmm. So even if you say that you fucking love me on Instagram, I'm like, how would you know? Like, how would you really know? You know? So yeah, I kind of, I just, it doesn't bug me. Like when Tom gets super worried sometimes when he goes to put out a song. He's like, do you think people are going to want to kill me for this? And I'm just like, I I don't, I don't, I don't, (laughs) I don't understand who would or like why they would or like, I don't, I don't think so. (laughs) Um, But like, then there's nights that were like super hard because he just put out a single Dear Slim. Okay. And he just beat Nicki Minaj on the iTunes charts. And then the Sick. next day, Nicki Minaj put out the clean version and pushed him down. He beat it again this morning. The instrumental dropped to push him down again. And he wow. and he talked about this in a live stream. And he had thousands of Nicki Minaj people messaging him just saying the craziest shit. And, and I was watching him go through and delete all the messages. And my heart, like, broke for him, you know, because... Mm he is going through all that stuff and he is reading all this stuff about himself. And I tried to talk to him and be like, you know, you're not a bad person. You're not mm-hmm. what these people are saying. I was like, and you know, my heart breaks knowing that he's digesting all of this stuff about himself. And these are things that he's going to have to, to fight with. And, you know, he's a lot more resilient than I'm giving him credit for, but I think of him as like my sweet thing that I just want to like protect yeah. and keep sweet. Tom McDonald, yeah. the fucking most controversial rap, my sweet thing. Yeah. <laughs> but you know Yeah, but to you he is. He's your he's your 
uh, you know, twin flame. He's your baby. Yeah. You know, that's that's your love. So, so it, of course, it's going to make you emotional and make you you hurt when he hurts. I understand yeah. that completely. We both do. So yeah. people have have said awful things about me online. They've dropped, dropped diss tracks. They've like, you know, made entire Facebook posts about how awful I am. And I couldn't care less. I might think about it one more time in the day and like have like a like a, be a little bit angry because they don't know me and feel like I want to defend myself but I never do I never like get in there and fight with people about my character online it's like I have a life to live you know yeah you're not interacting with you're not feeding the trolls exactly you so you have lost friendships as a result of the art that you and and Tom have been making and putting out oh yeah yeah I think people are starting to come back around now people that I haven't heard from in a while who like kind of pulled back uh when they saw the content that I was involved in um, because they are seeing the bigger picture. I think the, the woke movement mm-hmm. has just gotten so woke that people are getting sick of it. But the, because the pendulum is obviously swinging back a little bit right now. As it always yeah. does and yeah. always will. Yeah. Well, I think as long as you believe in what you're saying, uh, you're in good shape and it doesn't matter what anyone has to say. And if, like we've said before, if you believe the good, you have to believe the bad. <laughs> And so you just stay detached from all of it and love that. Tr- treat it as a game yeah. because that's what it is at the end of the day. It's a game. It's a game and it should, it's supposed to be fun. And that kind of brings me to what I wanted to say, unless you have something else you want to add to that, Annabelle. I mean, I guess I just, listen, what we're not trying to do now is fail again on somebody else's terms. So if you are out there doing what you believe to be the truth what with you Tom believe in, and- yeah you guys are making shit that you believe in and you're doing your thing. That's a successful life. God, fuck literally anything. Everyone. Like, Like, people are so mad at me, but I'm like, I just bought, like, my dream house. Like, yeah, congratulations. You're creating a home for yourself where you can finally feel safe and you've done that for yourself. You've done that. And so you know you can always depend on you. And that's a successful life. And I I think I just wanted to finish all that by um, asking everything that you stand for, everything that you believe in, everything you've worked so hard to create, and all your listeners, all your fans on Instagram, all our listeners, um, everything you've been through in your life, all this experience you've had, makes it are all different puzzle pieces of who you are and I just was curious to know what you'd like to say to everyone you know in kind of a summation of all that what is the message that's most important to you to share at the end of the day I just I think it's really important to keep working on yourself to just spend some time inside yourself and and figure out what's not exactly working the best way and to Mm. spend time trying to fucking trying to fix that because I see so many people get stuck you know and they stop growing and learning and becoming the amazing person that they're meant to be because they just are so set in their ways uh like emotionally and mentally and and whatever and I think it's just important to like keep growing keep learning take things in stride and and persevere love that and you are the living breathing embodiment (laughs) of that you are you are you're really you are a great role model and you're 
very inspiring as an artist and as a business person and as a spirit and soul. So yeah, it's also wonderful what we've discussed in the past with our anger episode. This is a Nova's story is a perfect example of how anger can be very beneficial in your life. You take it, you don't want to stay there. You don't want to hurt anyone with it. You want to transform it into success. And that's the gift that anger can give us. As long as you uh, invite it in the door. Yeah, you, you know, got to can... <laughs> make friends with it and let it come inside. Absolutely. You yeah. can't keep it at bay. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on and being a friend of the pod. We love you. We're obsessed with you. Yes, we are. And we will keep, <laughs> after your episode airs, we will go right back to our usual episodes <laughs> and you can listen. We won't deprive you of any more. <laughs> You know, you'll just have to listen to yourself. <laughs> oh, that's such a bummer, really. <laughs> no. Well, just think great. how we feel. We have to listen to ourselves every week. Uh, do so. you guys go back and listen to it? Because I'm not going back to listen to me. I'm like, I'm already we cringing to, at it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. No. We have to do a quality great. check. Yeah, we have to do a quality check. And sometimes we, you know, does just we, we make little edits, but we're really working on making it as completely unedited as yeah I I think we've gotten a lot better with just letting it breathe and letting it be not trying to be perfect exactly (laughs) well so that's where we're at thank you guys for having me it's been so nice I see like I don't have a lot of interactions like I feel like this has filled me up for the next three months you got all the girl time you need for the next year (laughs) we'll speak to you in six months babe (laughs) okay thank you Nova you're welcome Bye. 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 You're my best friend. You're my gang gang. We live on the west end. Become our friends for central. That's my best friend. That's my gang gang gang. I'm like, babe, I hate them. She likes sex, sex, sex. Side by side on the tour bus.